Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number three in what I think is a very, very enlightening series that I'm calling Sanctify Your Family. Now, today we're going to be talking about the family priesthood. In the ancient world, the family was really the core of civilization. In actuality, if today in the world, the government didn't try to force families to uh, think like big government, if they didn't try to use us for commercial pawns and for all of their schemes, all the things that they do, the real truth is the family would still be the core of uh, civilization. You know, one of the very interesting things to do when socialists or communists take over a country, one of the things that they have to do is break down the family unit. Because if the family unit remains strong, and particularly if it remains strong and spiritually based, then the real truth is it is nearly impossible to overthrow a country. And so in order for there to be chaos, there has to be breakdown in the family. The first place there has to be breakdown in the family, by the way, is between parents and children. And once there's a breakdown uh, between parents and children, one of the things that happens is there's a loss for the respect and the value of authority. And the moment there is a loss for authority, then we go into lawlessness. And when we go into lawlessness, we end up going down this path that that leads directly to the doorsteps uh, of the Antichrist. But in the ancient world, family was a core civilization. The mother and the father both provided spiritual oversight and direction for the family. Uh, you know, you know, I've done a lot of study about Chinese and Chinese history and this sort of thing. And uh, there's only been one one other minister I've ever heard at, that knew many of the things that I've taught about Chinese history uh, for decades. And that would be that'd be Chuck Mister. And Chuck Mister talks about this. I've read about this. I've told about this for years. The history of China goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. China was one of the very few uh, uh, civilizations, if you will, that actually took with it the knowledge of God after the Tower of Babel. All of the science uh, that the Chinese developed, there were thousands, there were thousands of years ahead of everybody else. The science, the medicine, all of those kinds of things were basically built on the knowledge of God taken all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And even their earliest writings indicated that they believed in the biblical account of creation. They believed in heaven and hell. They believed in a righteousness. And I'll just, just say this, just so you'll, you'll understand this. It, it wasn't until the Buddhists uh, came into China and found these ancient manuscript, uh, manuscripts and uh, translated them and inserted Buddhist thought. Before that, this was clearly about the creator. It was clearly about uh, the logos, uh, that 
as we know Jesus before he came to planet Earth, it was uh, it was in harmony with the Word of God. Is harmony with in harmony with everything. But one of the things interesting when you look back at, at ancient Chinese history, you see some things that are detailed that I see in in uh, uh, Jewish history, actually even just in early ancient history. And that is that the mother and the father both played very, very specific roles in the family. You know, in, in uh, the Chinese community, the mother really was the doctor. She was the learned one that learned about herbology. She was the one that learned all about all kinds of natural medicine. And she cooked and prepared food and took care of the health of her family, while the husband, of course, was the hunter. And he, you know, he fed the family. And, and, and of course, he was he he was the the protector of the family but the thing that you see and you actually uh if if you erase your 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 chauvinistic prejudices you begin to see that even under the old testament women had a much more predominant and respected role in the family uh than uh, in jewish in the jewish community than they did any any other place in the world and so so my point for bringing all of that out is there's so many things. When we think about the priests of the family, there are so many aspects of that that we tend to make uh, totally male-dominant uh, aspects, and they're not. The real truth is God can use the mother. He can use the father. He can even use children in the family, if you will, to be his mouthpiece, to be his spokesperson, uh, or, to be, or to be the intercessor for the family. But ultimately, this role is usually and should usually go to the mother and the father for joint spiritual oversight and for direction uh, for the entire family. The sons and the daughters in the ancient family, they were groomed from childhood to fulfill certain roles in the family. And uh, just like the body of Christ, you know, we don't look at this this role in the body of Christ and say, well, you know, you know, you're not as important as this role. No, everybody's role is important. Everybody's role contributes to the ultimate outcome of the overall health of the body of Christ. And that's actually the way it is with the family. Go to the book of Proverbs and you, and you go through the book of Proverbs and, and you're constantly being reminded to listen to your mother and your father for the wisdom that they have to bring to you. So this is not, when I talk about the priesthood, I am not talking about something that is just a male dominant role. I'm talking about the person who actually has a heart to do this. You know, the apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 20, he talks about becoming a vessel of honor. And this is so very interesting. I'm going to scoot through all this pretty fast, by the way. But he says, in a, ha in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, and he gives a list of things to cleanse yourself from, it says he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. And you, so you start realizing that becoming a vessel of honor in a great house whether that house is the ministry, whether it's the church, or whether it is our house where we live, you, you realize that we choose if we're going to be the one who is going to be used in a vessel of honor by whether or not we sanctify ourselves. 
by whether or not we set ourselves apart for a special purpose for God, whether or not we are available for God to, and willing for God to use us in our family, however he chooses to. You know, sanctification has to happen in, it, in four areas, at least four areas, in order for us to experience this thing that I'm talking about, about sanctifying your family, about setting your family apart for a special use, for a special purpose, setting your family apart unto the Lord, setting your family apart away from uh, destruction. And the four areas of sanctification are really pretty simple. First of all, we as individuals have to sanctify the Lord in our heart. We have to we have to make God special in our heart. Secondly, we have to sanctify ourselves unto the Lord in our own heart so that so that we are embracing him as being special. And as such, we are entrusting our lives and entrusting ourselves to him. Then we have to sanctify or make special in our heart our spouse. And this is so crucially, crucially important. And the things I'm going to talk to you about priesthood, which I'm going through all this pretty fast, because remember, I'm, I'm not making an audio series for this. I do have a special package for you about praying the way that Jesus prayed so that you can actually fulfill this role of priesthood in your, uh, in your family. So, so you sanctify your spouse. You set them apart in your heart. And that's something you do inwardly. And that's something that goes that supersedes problems and conflicts and all of those kinds of things. And then, of course, you sanctify your children in your heart unto the Lord. These are things that have to happen very deliberately. These are things that happen by faith. Matter of fact, let me tell you something very, very interesting about, about your heart. The Hebrew letter for the heart, which is the bet, is an interesting letter because the heart is it not only depicts uh, uh, the heart of man, but it depicts your household. And so whatever condition your heart is in is going to have a tendency to uh, determine the spiritual condition of your household. And so by setting the Lord apart, sanctifying him in your heart, setting yourself apart, setting your spouse apart, setting your children apart, really you set your whole household apart. Now, uh, if this is real in your heart, then you don't really have to make it happen in your household. You don't really have to make it happen in your entire family. It will happen because it is in your heart, and you will influence other people around you from your heart. You know, one of the interesting things that we know about the heart is everything that we believe about ourselves, everything we believe about God, all of our beliefs are stored in our heart. And, uh, our heart constantly communicates things to the people around us and other than verbal communication. As a matter of fact, every single time your heart beats, it actually sends a signal out. And in that signal, it carries, it's a carrier signal that actually carries everything that you truly believe, everything that you believe about yourself. Every time your heart beats, that signal goes to every cell in your body and updates every cell in your body. Uh, to come in line with what you believe at this present moment. But even, even greater than that, it touches all of the people around you. So what is in your heart is going to touch, it's going to influence all of the people around you to some degree, even though they really, really don't know where it comes from. They don't, you know, they, they don't understand that this is coming from your heart. 
Now, when we set ourselves apart, what we're really doing is we're making ourselves holy. Now, the word holy means uncommon. The word holy is when something is for a special spiritual use, a, spirit, a spiritual value. And so we're setting ourselves apart because we want to be we want to be able to hear from God. We want to be able to guide our family. We want to be able to lead our family. We want to be able to intercede for our family. So really, uh, a priest serves the family in spiritual manners. Now, let me say this. There is such a tendency for people, to, for men to become very chauvinistic about this and think that this is a role for men. Over 50-something years of marriage counseling, I can't tell you how many seemingly spiritual men would talk to me about about you know they're they're the priests of their family. Well, when I would get to get them get them to define what that priesthood looked like, they were really not describing the priesthood. They were dis describing being king over the family. That's not that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a priest who serves his or her family in spiritual matters. They live a life that testifies their spiritual values. Uh, they intercede. They watch for their family members. They pray for their family members. And really, they, they kind of become the watch. When you're in Ezekiel 3.17, God says, God says to Ezekiel, says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning for me. I got news for you. God can use us as watchmen. God can use us as seers. God can use us for the people that are hearing from God, for the for the people who anticipate what's going on, for the people who really will hear and and, and prepare uh, for things that are coming. You know, in, in Genesis 18, we have the situation where God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And I, I love this. In Genesis 18, 17, he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him in order that he may uh, command or teach or instruct his children and his household after, after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So God is basically saying, I'm going to be doing something here that could affect Abraham and his family. Now, think about this. Yes, Abraham was in a unique Abrahamic covenant with God where God was going to bless all the nations of the earth through Abraham because the bloodline of the Messiah was coming through, uh, was coming through Abraham and through, through his seed. And, but God just said, look, I, Abraham is one of those people that, that I can trust to train up his family for a special purpose. And, uh, and I know that he'll teach his children so that after him, they'll walk in the way of the Lord. They'll, they'll, they will do righteousness. They will, be, they will walk in justice. And I can bring to pass all the things that I've spoken over Abraham. Well, I got news for you. Your family can do that. I'm not saying how. And I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying you have to dedicate yourself in a way that's unrealistic. But when you choose for your family to be the light in the neighborhood, when you choose, and I'm not saying that your family would be flawless. I'm not saying that your family would be hyper-spiritual or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying when your family is the one that helps people, when your family is the one that reaches out to people, when your family is the one that feeds the poor, when your family is the one that is 
that is trying to help the hurting, suddenly you step into a role almost like that of Abraham. The only difference is the Messiah was coming through Abraham. Well, for you, all the families of the earth are probably not going to be blessed through you, but all the families in your neighborhood are going to be blessed through you. All the families in your in your child's school, all the families in the places where you work. And so what happens is that puts us in a position where God appoints us as watchmen, and, and he's going to let us know things that are going to come. I have been prepared every time there has been a major change uh, in the economic situation in America. Uh, I've been ready for it. And listen, I'm not good at finances. I'm not, you know, I'm good at business. I'm not good at finances. I don't understand the stock market. There's so many things I don't understand, but I can tell you this, uh, in all my years of walking with God, I have always known in advance when the economy was going to change and when we needed to prepare for certain things. And I'm telling I'm not, I'm not so spiritual that that's why all that happens. God is entrusting you. And, and the thing is, sometimes he'll speak through me. So uh, I'll have a sense of what's coming. Sometimes it's going to be Brenda. Sometimes it can even be our kids that have a sense that God's doing something. And that's, that's really the way you want it. You don't want one person really just claiming out the position. I'm the priest of this, of this family. What you really want is for your whole family to come to trust God and know that God is our shepherd and he's always trying to lead us. He never leads us, leaves us to our own devices. He's always trying to lead us in the path of righteousness. He's trying to take us to still waters. He's trying to, he's trying to, to protect us. He's trying to guide us. God never, never, never stops attempting to lead and be a shepherd to those who trust him and those who follow him. And, you know, I don't care personally if I'm the one that hears from God and gets the sense of what's going on, or if it's Brenda, or if it's one of our kids, I, I don't care. All I, I don't care who God speaks through and who God's who God opens their heart up. I just want one of us to be able to hear so that they can that they can share it with other people. Now, let, let me encourage you in something. Step in this role of priesthood. It's, it's kind of interesting. You know, all of the traits for ministry. Um, are traits that should be developed in our home. Now, I'll tell you this, and I've seen this all these decades that I've been in ministry. I have seen that at the end of the day, a minister treats his or her congregation the same with the same motives that he or she treats their family. Now, they may package it up a little nicer. They may be a little more tactful so that they're not offending people. But at the end of the day, every leader is working the same agenda for the people they're supposed to be serving as they are for their family. And so you can look at, the, you can look at some of these things about, about managing our families and start understanding, oh, this is this is just a carryover of managing my family. This is how I'm going to manage the ministry. This is how I'm going to touch people. You know, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 2, and it's, it's, talking, it's talking about overseers here. It says uh, that, that a bishop must be temperate. In other words, he's not given, he or she's not given to extremes. Must be sober-minded. I like that, sober-minded. Must 
be of general good behavior. Must be hospitable. I'm telling you right there, if we actually use the, the Bible in a strict sense for, for who is qualified for ministry and who's not, that one word right there would disqualify probably 80% of the people that are in the ministry because most of the people that are in ministry are not hospitable. They're closed off. They're, they, they, they envision themselves in this role where they've got to be super spiritual and where they where they've got to rule over people. They've got to be infallible and they can't afford to make mistakes. Well, I got news for you. Uh, no, that's really not what we're called to. We've got to be hospital. I like this. We've got to be apt to teach. Now, apt, apt to teach doesn't mean bossy. doesn't mean always telling people what to do. It just means that this person is able to teach. They have this tendency and this willingness to teach to help people for their benefit. Not given to wine. Not violent not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. And then verse four says something kind of interesting that tends to get stretched beyond reality. It says, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. Let me say something about submission. First of all, submission is not obedience. Now, it'd be great if it was, but the real truth is, Submission is a yielding attitude that is willing to listen. A submissive person is willing to willing to listen and willing to consider the input that they're that they're getting from someone else. Now, kids, all kids go through rebellious streaks. All kids go through their times of being difficult. But the real truth is, usually, it's the way the parent tries to teach the child. That causes them to not be open, to not be yielding, to not be submissive. And so that's why in other places, and we'll look at a couple of these scriptures in other places, that that uh, parents are, are are warned not to not to uh, exasperate their kids, not to not to frustrate their kids, because when you do, you cause the rebellion that's in them that you're going to end up that you're going to end up hating them for and end up turning against him. But also this word rule, one who rules his own house well. That word rule does not mean rule like a king. In, in the ministry, we don't rule over anybody. As a matter of fact, one of the things that Jesus himself said over in uh, Matthew, I think it's Matthew 20, uh, when talking to his uh, apostles, he said, listen, uh, we do not rule over anybody the way the Gentiles do. We don't lord it over people. Uh, he absolutely forget uh, uh, forbids that and says, we are here to be servants. You know, a servant will inspire you. A servant will compel you. A servant will help you. But a servant does not rule over you. A servant does not use force to make you do the things that they want you to do. And so a great leader in a home is a person who rules from the meaning of this biblical word. This word for rule means to pry, to preside over as a protector or as a guardian. I, man, I, I'll tell you what, I, I think that is just so incredible. Well, I'll give you one more scripture about, about if we're going to be the watchman, if we're going to be the one that God speaks to and God provides the warnings. Man, listen, I can't even tell you how many times my kids' lives have been saved uh, uh, 
mine and Brenda's lives have been saved just because God would give me this sense of something that was going to happen. You know, I, I remember one night Christy was working at the, uh, at the, at the mall at the time in a clothing store and, and, uh, uh, she was getting ready to go to work. And all of a sudden, I just had this sense. I said, wait a minute. I said, when, where do you usually park your car? She told me where she parked the car. And I said, do not park your car there tonight. Park your car in another in another side of the parking lot. And when you get ready to go out to your car, you get a guard to walk out with you. Well, as it turns out, that very night, out in the, out in the, uh, the parking area where she normally parked, there was a guy out there that was robbing and attacking people. And had she parked in her normal place, she would have been right out there in the middle. Of I mean, I can just tell story after story after story after story of times that God would just give me something like that to share. But what's really interesting, if we frustrate our kids, if we try to force them to do every, everything, we try to force our spouse to do everything, then the real truth is they just turn, turn us off. We're not serving. When we do that, we're not serving as priests. We're trying to be kings. We're trying to rule over them and exercise authority over them. And we want, we want the people in our household, if we're going to sanctify our entire family to God, then it's got to be about God. It can't be about us. So we want to minister to our wives, our husbands, our children in ways that's gentle, that that uh, uh, makes learning a joy. It's like apples of gold and settings of silver. We want them to be, feel safe listening to us and not feel like we're trying to jam something down their throat. In Proverbs 22, 6 in the Amplified Bible, it says, train up a child. And everybody knows this in the King James. Train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, shall not depart from it. And really, the uh, uh, Amplified Bible is a little closer to the Hebrew here. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go in keeping with his individual gift or bent. So basically, this is not saying, this is not just saying, turn a child in the way he should go spiritually. This is saying, discover what a child wants to do with their life and raise him in harmony with that particular direction, with that particular gifting or bent, and, I, and show him how he can do that and trust God. Help, help that child bring God into his dreams or her dreams. And it says when he's old, he won't depart from it. In other words, he will pursue this. He will fulfill this. And he won't turn his back on God. Now listen, God wants to use us supernaturally. I am telling you, he wants to use us to lay hands on our kids. You know, I remember one Sunday we were, uh, we, we, were going, we were going out to church. It was raining. Tanya goes walking down the steps. She slipped on the steps, bam, hits the sidewalk, breaks her leg. And mm -hmm. Brenda and I went rushing over there to where she was. We laid hands on her. We began to speak life over. We didn't make a big deal out of it. We didn't carry on. We didn't holler and scream. But we prayed over her. We ministered to her. Took a few minutes. And I'll tell you, in about 15 minutes, that, that place where that bone looked like it was about to pop through her skin went away, and she got it well. Over and over and over, we have seen our kids get healed over and over and over. God has given us warnings to keep our kids safe, to keep keep them from, from trouble. And, and many, many times when our kids had been in accidents or something, God would, Brenda or I, one would get a sense they were in trouble, they needed us, we would go, fight, we'd find out where they were, we'd discover that they needed our help. Listen, God wants you to be a watchman. He wants you to be 
the family priest. It doesn't matter if you're the mother or the father, but the real truth is you want to bring this to your family and say, and explain to them how God wants to help, but everybody's got to be willing. Whoever it is that hears from God, whoever it is that gets the word from God, that's the one that's got to speak up and got to do it in love and kindness. Listen, be sure and share this with other people and you start seeking God about what it would look like if you become the family priest and you leave your family. Blessings to you. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.